0: If you're placing something into a bucket, feel free to continue with that. If you uh, would have a Bible with you, you could be turning to the book of Mark's Gospel in the New Testament, near the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, then Mark, followed by Luke and John. We're in Mark, and we're in chapter 7 this morning. (gasps) I've broken the lectern. Okay, Tom. I don't think anybody noticed. Right, there we go. I won't remove it anymore. Um, we are in Mark chapter 7. Uh, so we will read a relatively uh, big chunk today, but it, it all belongs together in one, one episode, one situation um, that Jesus and the disciples found themselves in. Here we go. Verse 1. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who'd come from Jerusalem gathered round Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were unclean, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, and they observe many uh, many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, These people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. You've let go of the commands of God and are holding on to to the traditions of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say, if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might have otherwise have received from me is Corban, that is a gift devoted to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your own tradition that you have handed down. You did many things like that. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. After he'd left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable, are you so dull? He asked, don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach, and then out of his body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. So for a little while we've been looking at Mark's gospel. Mark wants us to see Jesus. Mark wants us to receive Jesus right at the outset of the book he's declared boldly the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ the Son of God he's got this bold proclamation there's good news for you to hear and it's all about Jesus um, and what he brought in a new way of relating with God when Jesus came he lived he taught he demonstrated a new fresh way of approaching God which has life, a way where we're led by the Spirit and because he's doing something new which is good news, time and again we see these clashes with the old way. There's what Jesus represents and there's what the Pharisees and the teachers of the law represent and it's different. This is the, the old way, the heavy way of rules, regulations and tradition and we've seen uh, opposition to Jesus before now um, uh, back in chapter 2 verse 6 would be one example uh, we see there some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves why does this fellow talk like that he's blaspheming who can forgive sins but God alone there's kind of local opposition but then every now and again the heavies come Aha, the heavies um, uh, from Jerusalem make this big special trip uh, teachers of the law and Pharisees from Jerusalem to suss Jesus out. But they've already made up their mind, really, before they've heard anything to, he's got to say. He's bad news. And through Mark's Gospel, this theme develops of growing more and more intense opposition towards Jesus. There's this massive clash, that's what we're going to look at to start with. We'll look at kind of what happened as this passage unfolds and then we'll contrast the old way and the new way. What are they like? What can they be like for us? Uh, and how do we uh, make sure we're living in the benefit of the new way? Anyway, the Pharisees and teachers of the law come up with a question, a critical question in verse 5. They ask Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? Which sounds partly like a very reasonable question. Before a mealtime, who here is normally told to wash their hands? And why, why is that? Why, do, why is it a good idea? to wash our hands before we eat? Jonathan at the back row. So, do you, um, not get an infection? Yeah, because they might be like germs and dirt on your hand, you need to get them clean um, so that when you eat, that's, you're not getting an infection. Thank you, Jonathan, very much. Um, so it sounds like a completely sensible question. Why aren't your disciples washing their hands before they eat? But for the people asking the question, This wasn't so much to do with germs and health and dirt and actually getting your hands clean. It was about tradition. What was the tradition that those Pharisees observed? Well, before eating, they would wash their hands ceremonially. I can never really say that word. Um, Which means that they got their hands wet rather than clean. Imagine a bucket of water and just... Plunge your hands in, up to the wrist, take them out again. Now, if you've been outside gardening, because the weather's lovely, albeit not so much yesterday, um, and you've been planting some new shrubs, or you've had some serious work to do, you look at your hands afterwards, and don't you just hate it, kind of dirt in the nails. Maybe I'm just tactile defensive, but just that horrible feeling of grubby grime. Um, So what would be achieved at that point if you had your hands and you just plunged them in a bucket of water and straight out again, I'm ready to eat. You'd probably still look at your hands and say, no, they're, they're still absolutely filthy. So what was going on here for the Pharisees and teachers of the law is not a, a case of are your hands actually clean. Is have you stuck with the tradition? Have you done the expected thing? Have you got your hands wet but not clean? A while ago, if you've um, uh, been coming along for a while, I think I showed a photo of the the ceremonial bath that used to be here in this building when it was a synagogue. The holiest place of this building used to be just around the corner in an area which is now the gents' toilets. And uh, in there was a a bath kind of sunk into the floor and this is where the rabbi would go to become clean in God's sight. And uh, that bath was fed by rainwater and so it kind of collected in what became a stagnant pool. Uh, Apparently it was such a holy place that we couldn't go in there um, before we actually became the owners of this building. Uh, We didn't see what was in there uh, beforehand. This this pool is there, but beside the pool was a shower because the rabbi would would be ceremonially clean by plunging into this grotty rainwater, would then come out and have to actually get clean in a shower. And that's what this tradition uh, would have been like. So Jesus comes in with a strong answer. He sounds a bit rude. I think he's a bit angry because something important is at stake. And in some senses, he's not actually answering the question at all, he's going straight to the heart of the issue. Because he sees that the the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are misrepresenting God. He speaks to them in this way. He sees that the way in which they behave and their attitudes closely match up with Isaiah's prophecy, which is what he then quotes. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it is written, These people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. He calls them hypocrites. Now who here likes dressing up? Fancy dress. I would reckon most people in our core group, uh, because Rachel came home from core group this week with absolute glee. Not only have we broken bread and just enjoyed great fellowship together, but we're going to have a social and it's fancy dress and so we get to dress up. Yes! Now, it can be fun, can be, um, fun to dress up, to get in a costume, to, to have some fun, to, to pretend to be someone else for a little while. Uh, it might be a famous celebrity, might be someone from a n- another country, or whatever it might be, uh, a princess. That doesn't fuss me so much, but most in our household would go with that. Um, but the thing is with dressing up, is... There comes a point when we actually we go back to being the real me. It's nice to pretend, but we take the costume off and then it's just, it's just us again. And so Jesus is coming to call the Pharisees and teachers of the law hypocrites because they're, they're pretending, they're play-acting, they're putting on a costume as it were. Or uh, Greek actors would, would, would use a mask in front of their face to play different characters and so they could just hop between different masks to become uh, different people in a story. It was all pretend. But these guys, that's what their worship was like. Their worship was pretending, their worship was play-acting, their worship of God was hiding behind a mask. Or as Jesus says, honoring God with, with their lips, with what their mouths were saying, but not with what their hearts were doing. So if you like, acting spiritually, but actually ignoring God. And there's another example that he gives uh, showing them do this. He said, well look, God's command, God's law says, honour your father and your mother. One of the Ten Commandments. So if mum and dad are here right now, then the word of God is honor them, respect them, look up to them, listen to them, even obey them. Well, why is that? Because parents are absolutely perfect? No, but God knits us into a family and. Wants us to honour our parents. Even promises that there's a way in which God brings blessing into our lives. So there's the word of God um, that these Pharisees and teachers of the law, in fact the whole Jewish nation and then us two, uh, have received. But they would come up with a tradition. And this is an example of doing a, the sacred sidestep. The word of God says something but I want to ignore it so I'll do something else that looks holy instead. So the Word of God says, honour your father and mother. And, um, but maybe there'd come a point for some where well, it doesn't feel so appealing because in the early days, the relationship between parents and their children is predominantly parents supporting their children. Financially, emotionally, practically and physically, teaching them, training them, leading them, providing for them. But maybe there comes a point In adult life, we kind of think, actually, hang on a minute, the balance is going to shift here. There'll come a time when my parents will be in need of more support from me than they're able to now provide for me. They came up with a cunning tradition called Corban, an extra rule, where you could kind of sidestep that and say, well, actually, everything I have is now devoted to God. I declare it korban. It's a a gift for God. It's for God's use, and that means that person was excused from needing to support perhaps their ageing parents. That's devoted to God. I can't help you. Um, Well, teachers of the law, having come up with this tradition would then perhaps have some self-interest in it. Well, perhaps when the person who's declared Corban passes away, all of their belongings will actually go uh, to the temple. All of their wealth will transfer to the temple and and it won't go in that direction. So perhaps there was some self-interest in it anyway. And they said, well, you've made an oath. You've made a promise. Even though it was rash, even though it breaks God's law, you've made that promise so you've got to stick with it. That was their way of seeing things twisted around. They were... They were hypocrites, acting a role, pretending to worship God, but really preferring their own rules that they'd made up. Now, at this point, I sometimes wonder whether well, there are people who who think, "I wish, I wish I could serve God more. I wish that I could perhaps serve more in the church, but my situation in life." Uh, means that it's just not possible. It's just not possible right now. But I see other people kind of rolling their sleeves up, getting involved in different teams and all the rest of it. And, uh, and I admire that. And I wish that I could be as devoted as they are. But I can't. My, my, my situation or maybe my, my family circumstance limits me. And uh, if, if only it weren't for mum and dad, I'd be able to honour God more. If only it weren't for family life, I'd be able to do more for God's kingdom stop. Don't think that at all. Why? Well, because devotion here is on your father and your mother. God sees. God knows. He's not kind of cracking cracking the whip and saying, you know, build yourself up, work up some kind of ladder. You need to show that you're more devoted, more devoted. No, we devote ourselves to God in what life involves in the here and now. That might mean, actually, you know what? Sometimes I, I just simply can't make it along to the prayer meeting. Uh, there are stuff I just I, I can't get involved in. I'm caring for my parents. I need to visit my parents this weekend um, because of the situation that they're in, uh, the needs they have. God looks on that and is pleased by faithful devotion to Him uh, in those responsibilities. Rather than just thinking, oh, it would be better if they just weren't around, that I didn't have to think about them. Jesus then comes and he gives the real answer to this question. He's kind of cut right in, God's the heart of the issue, and said, look, this is just pretending. This is dressing up. This is hypocrisy. And then he actually asked, answers their question why don't your disciples uh, eat with clean hands? Well, in verse 14, again, Jesus called the crowd to him. And said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. He, he gathers the people to himself and then teaches them. Basically, this is why my disciples don't need to keep to the traditional rules about ceremonial washing. In verse 15, nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. So it's a completely different Way. This we're seeing here the old and the new, and there's a clash. We're seeing religion versus grace, and there's some sparks. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law, doing their utmost to keep in step with tradition. Now, before he received Christ, that's exactly what Paul would have said about himself in Galatians chapter 1 uh, verse 14. He's telling his story here and he says, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. That's what really made him tick. The things that had been handed down, this growing body of literature which helped them to work out how do we we keep the law? And maybe how can we sort of slightly dodge the law when we want to? If the law says don't work on the sabbath right we really need to nail that one what does it mean to work on the sabbath and they've come up with this growing body of principles and traditions ways in which they understand things but it's the the cart has gone before the horse and it's led to an old kind of heavy lifeless weighty grim way of trying to relate to god that's what paul was in um, before god busted him out Um, now the disciples here in this situation, they're kind of caught a little bit in the middle. They're following Jesus. It's interesting that the Pharisees see that some of them aren't washing their hands. Maybe some of them are. Maybe some of them are just not quite convinced yet. So they're kind of following Jesus, but they're still aware of of what it used to mean to keep with the tradition of the elders and the Pharisees. And so they're kind of torn between this new way that Jesus is bringing about and the old way that they've been used to before, grace and religion. And many Christians can settle for an uneasy mixture of the two, saved by grace, living by grace, but every now and again I slip back into religious ways of doing things. I slip back under kind of just heaviness, weariness, a sense of it's all, about, it's all about tradition, just doing the expected. It's an ongoing issue. That's why we bump up against it a few times through Mark's gospel because he wants us to see. He wants us to understand it's different, it's new. I think that's why Jesus gets so angry. He wants people to, to realise look come on gather to me listen to me it's not like that now you might think that pharisees well i've sometimes encouraged you to to boo and hiss when mention the pharisees like the pantomime villains are in town boo hiss but actually back in that time the pantomime villains would have been roman soldiers maybe king herod tax collectors that's when people would start booing and hissing the Pharisees had a, an air of respectability about them and they had, a rego- they had, in their own way, a kind of regard. We, we want to see God's nation, God's people, distinct, separate, living holy, living right, honoring God. But they had a completely different approach. Jesus wants them to see that. That's why he calls them hypocrites. That's why he, he sees right to the heart of it. And even um, yeah he wants the people to see this new way. So just briefly, what's the old way? Like, how can we be drawn into the old way? A um, few things. By a focus on appearances, we can get distracted by making sure that we look holy, that we look spiritual, that we maybe sound spiritual. It's when I grew up, I can kind of remember it almost appeared, to my mind anyway, like there was a, a holy voice a holy tone of voice to use when you were speaking. And if you were going forward to share something, there was like a holy kind of glide as well. <laughs> it wasn't okay to be normal. <laughs> you, had, you had to kind of make a show, a demonstration of the fact that you were really kind of under the anointing or something. Um, but it, a bit of a, a bit of an act. I went to a, a big uh, youth camp, well, I suppose it, well, it was at Stoneleigh. It was the, the new day of its time. Um, It was first called Solid Rock and then Revive and um, and a few thousand people worshipping God. There's a, a screen much bigger than that. At the top of the screen are all the words to the songs. That's all the truth that we're singing. But the problem was at the back of the hall there was someone on a camera and the camera was kind of towards the stage and maybe that helped, because you could see like, the people leading worship more clearly and to, to know what you were following. But the problem was, you're just kind of worshipping God, focusing on Him, you then see the back of your own head. And it, I thought, and there I was, and at that point I had more hair to manage. So it's like worshipping the Lord, and then, oh, but... Well, it look, doesn't look right. We just get distracted, don't we? By what do I look like? How am I appearing to other people? Or how am I appearing to God? Kind of wanting it to be known. I, I th- you know, I mean, I'm engaging with God. I'm looking, looking the part. Children, well, adults, everyone. We're, we're not here to put on a show. We're not here to sit perfectly. We're, we're not here to wear a mask. We're here to walk and meet with God. So the object, the whole purpose of today... Is not to sit perfectly, but kind of really just be unaware of what's going on, not ticking anything. It's just important that I behave well. Don't show up my parents. The point of being here is to gather to Jesus and enjoy his presence. Not putting on spiritual looks, not putting on a mask, but being real with God and real with one another. The old way also puts the focus on the negative. Jesus has just shown this amazing compassion and he's miraculously fed 5,000 people. He's also shown his amazing authority over all the elements and he's walked over water. He's also shown his amazing power to heal and cast out demons. But all that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law see, your disciples don't wash their hands properly. Focusing on something minute, focusing on detail, picking at something, picking at someone, finding fault. They were masters at doing that, being critical, and they're completely missing what God's doing. And sometimes, maybe for us, for some here, you might have grown up in that kind of climate, in that kind of way of relating, whether it was in family, whether it was in school, actually, whether right now it's in the workplace, there's a pickiness. There's a critical edge. We're overlooking the positive. We've just got to hammer the small things that aren't right. Bang, bang, bang. And oof, oof, oof. Just a heavy weight. Now, if we're not careful, that can be, if we've suffered under that, we also need to be careful that we don't reproduce it. traditions can get handed down ways of life can get handed down from one generation to the next that's what it was like for me when I was the office junior so that's kind of just how the system works that's what I'm going to do or that's what my dad was like and so that's kind of how I tend to parent too I'm just at them I'm, I'm always correcting, never encouraging the old way of law and tradition and legalism puts the focus on the negative never good enough always disapproving feeling heavy maybe I start picking on other people if that's what's been felt also there's a focus on, on rules like I wonder what happened for you when you, were, when you got saved was it some people may have experienced right now that you've responded now that you've received God's grace uh, you need to begin every day in prayer and you need to make sure that you uh, are reading the Bible every day, and maybe even like an extra superstitious thing would be put on it as well. And if you don't start the day in that way, uh, everything that, that day will go wrong. It's just that's that's how it works. That's the rule. That's that's the uh, that's the principle. And so, oh, Grim, kind of responded with vigour and zeal, and this is amazing. I've received amazing grace, but it's kind of twisted round now into heavy law. I remember. Uh, in, in class at school it must have been secondary school had an English class and it was a double lesson that meant it went on for ages and uh, a large part of this lesson the, the teacher said because we had a, 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 a book to read that we were studying for the rest of the lesson read uh, Wuthering Heights Whew. Um, well sat in the class all I was concerned about was, was was kind of something else, a focus on performance. So my focus was, I need to make sure that when this lesson finishes, I have read more pages of this book than most other people. Uh, and so I sp- sped my way through, skimming over the words, understanding nothing. But... I'd performed well. So at the end of the class, what page did you get to? I got to 150. Oh, I got to 75. Oh, and then people would start talking about the story and the characters. I'd missed so much. I just hadn't paid any attention. If we're living in the old way, if we're living under law, that's kind of how it can be. It doesn't really matter what's inside I've just got to show that I'm doing the spiritual thing I've just got to be able to say well I, I read my Bible this morning and uh, actually I read three chapters today um, what, did, what was God oh I don't know it's, it's gone it's not really impacted I've not really benefited at all from it I've just performed what I think I should be doing it can be the same for us we, we want to just see clearly and get away from that Uh, Way of thinking. Sometimes, actually, we can we can go that way, because even if it makes us feel heavy, we prefer rules. We kind of know. We feel we know where we stand. A relationship with God can sometimes feel a bit fuzzy. So I'm going to try and kind of nail it down with some rules. Then I can make myself feel bad uh, when I don't keep to the rules. But at least I'm at least I'm kind of somehow experiencing some kind of security. it's lifeless. It kills us. We need to see it for what it is. What's the new way? The old way is all about tradition. The new way, it's all about the heart. God is interested in the heart. And what is amazing is that Jesus gives us what tradition could never achieve. gives us a new heart. Ezekiel 36, verse 26. God promised there, prophesied by Ezekiel, God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. The old way of tradition could never do that. It could never actually change the inside. It could never actually change the real me. It could never actually give me a brand new start. It can just make me feel bad about myself or it can make me feel proud if I feel I am doing well at the moment. But either way, it doesn't lead to life or closeness with God. God gave us what we couldn't give ourselves, a new heart, a clean heart. Hebrews speaks of having a a heart that has been cleansed from a guilty conscience. You read in Mark this horrible list of things that can well up from our hearts. Jesus says, For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance and folly. It can all be there, tucked away. The Pharisees might, have liked to have, might like to have thought that basically they started clean. They started pure, they started good. But if they touched something in the marketplace which wasn't right, they'd then be unclean and they need to wash their hands. Jesus says there's a much bigger issue here. What's going on in your heart? It's not about whether you've got your hands in a bucket of water or not. It's about what's in your heart. Well, sometimes when, we look inside, when we've looked inside of our hearts, we would have found some of those things. What do we do? Well, we come to Jesus. Our starting point is, I'm unclean. I was unclean. But Christ came, and we'll see this as the whole Gospel of Mark unfolds, Jesus came to take that list, to take all of that stuff on himself, and be punished in our place. That's why the gospel is good news because it actually deals with our hearts. No longer just bound to repeat the same empty way of life. Well, I'm bound to be like my dad or I'm bound to be like this person. I'm bound to act in that way because that's how I was brought up. That's what I've experienced. That's the mistakes I've made before now. It, uh, it's just on, on, on cycle, on repeats. It always comes back round. Having a new, cleansed heart means actually the power of sin has been broken. That leads us to have a worshipping heart. Jesus said of these uh, teachers of the law, these people honour me with their lips but their hearts are far from me. Jesus is interested in the heart. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 19, uh, Paul writes there about uh, encouraging us to sing psalms and spiritual songs to one another, making music in your hearts that's kind of where worship happens it's not about kind of raising a hand at the right point it's not about having a certain expression on our faces it's not about uh, outward behaviour it's about something within us bubbling up a desire to thank and worship him but the focus is no longer on performance so when we're worshipping together sometimes the most helpful thing is when someone strikes a duff note or forgets the words for a moment or starts in the wrong key. And or maybe in the context of core group, it's like, oh, I, I kind of hope we make it through there. Sometimes you need a little nervousness. Can we remember all the words to this one? Actually, sometimes the atmosphere can break and we all just relax a little bit and we realize, what are we here for? We're not here to put on a performance. We're not here to kind of make a perfect note. We're not here to... Impress other people, we're here to engage with God. Not just mouthing words, but worshiping in spirit, in truth. There's something that's bubbling up. And I think last week, uh, one of the congregations, someone kind of came forward, had something to share, and it's, it's just so evident that, wow, well, something's bubbling up here. So I said to them, look, this is bubbling up in you. What do you feel to do with it? Do you want to pray? Do you want to share? Or is this coming out as a prophecy? hadn't thought that, but the fact was it was bubbling up, and that can be something to ask ourselves. Maybe, maybe actually, this will become an interpretation. Someone prays in tongues, and you realize what's been kind of stirred on the inside, I think that's the interpretation to what someone has just been praying out in another language. Um, This is worship in the new covenant. This is a new way of worship, which isn't about um, uh, performing and just putting on a mask. So we need to be but even at that point we need to be careful that we don't just start thinking in the old way. Right. So when we worship, it has to look like something's bubbling up from inside of me. (laughs) We're missing we're missing the point. (laughs) We can so easily be led back to a very self-conscious way of kind of relating to everyone else and what do I look like and what do I sound like? No, this is about heart relationship with him. Having a worshiping heart. And also having a guarded heart. Proverbs 4 verse 23 says above all else guard your heart but it, because it is the wellspring of life. God has cleansed our hearts. He has done what only he can do. He's given us a new heart. He's done what only he can do. And we have a responsibility to guard it, to protect it. The most remarkable words in that brief proverb are the first three. Above All else. This is the most important aspect of our lives. To guard our hearts. To store up in our hearts truth that will help us and lead us and encourage us um, in prayer and through challenges and all the rest of it to pursue him um, guarding our hearts. There are certain things we're not going to let in. Whether those are things on this list that we were... Uh, looking at a moment ago, sexual immorality, murder, theft, greed. It's not easy to kind of just put a rule. But actually, in heart relationship with Him, we are fleeing those things. We're guarding our hearts from those things. I was reading this week about Caleb. I think Caleb did very well at guarding his heart. Because if you know who he was and what he did, he was one of the spies who went into the promised land. And he brought back a good report. This is wonderful. This is a fruitful place. And God is going to give us victory as we head into this land. But because of what 10 other uh, spies said, they had to turn around. The people lost heart. They didn't trust God. And so God led them back into the wilderness for 40 years. That means for 40 years, Caleb was guarding his heart. I'm not going to get bitter. I'm not going to get tangled up in unforgiveness, not going to allow my disappointment to rob me of faith. I'm guarding my heart. I'm guarding my heart from the anxiety. We'll never get there. We've missed it completely. That was it. That was the one moment. And now we're just going to have to stay here. For 40 years, he guarded his heart from that so that when they did go into the promised land, he's ready to wholeheartedly follow the Lord. A few months ago, I had a call group, Leaders Away Day, which are really kind of treasured moments, happened a couple of times uh, in the year. And I was sharing a bit personally in my story um, in how God led me to guarding my heart. Because there are certain things that can creep in. And so uh, self-righteousness over here, self-reliance over there, or self-pity around the corner. And I was saying, I recognize in a new way, I need to guard my heart from these things. And I was glad to do it. I hope that was helpful. The lesson personally since is, oh, surprise, surprise, I still need to guard my heart. Those things are still around. Just kind of giving a talk on the subject doesn't mean that kind of I've suddenly moved into this new category of it's not an issue anymore. My heart is guarded and I'm fine. So actually, these things still want to kind of wheedle their way into my heart if I let them, I need to guard my heart. Be vigilant against those hot things. My heart matters more. your heart matters more than the grades you get, your performance in an exam, the skills and certificates and qualifications you have, how much money you have in the bank balance, what's happening in life. The most important thing above all else is that we guard our heart. most important thing above all else is we realize these differences between the old way and the new way. Disciples or people in the crowd could have looked at Jesus and thought, well, we respect him. They could have looked at the Pharisees and teachers of the law and think, well, we kind of respect them too. So we'll just blend their two approaches to life. Yeah, it's all right. Things are just mixed up doesn't really matter kind of how we approach things, as long as we're genuine. Well, in a way, the Pharisees were genuine, but they were completely missing the point and they were completely misrepresenting God and they were loading weights on their own shoulders and on other people's too. Why aren't they doing what they should be doing? Why are they not sticking with the traditions of the elders? Outrageous. They're just finding fault, focused on rules, focused on appearances. We have to see. We have to come back to seeing or maybe to see for the first time For some of you here, if you're actually kind of just part of the crowd and you've always really lumped Jesus and the Pharisees together, you've all just seen it all as heavy religion, it's about rules, it's pressure. Think, no, see it a different way. See Jesus' desire to bring us into this new way of the Spirit, this new way of having a heart relationship with God. It is very different. It is night and day. It is chalk and cheese But sometimes it's remarkably subtle how we can drift from one to the other. Let's make sure we don't. If we have, let's make sure we stop. And we see it differently today. Let's worship God.